Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. We want to hear from you guys, Facebook and Twitter. Sports Garden, that's G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, the number 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iHeart, iTunes Radio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. We have a huge show today. Obviously, the NFL is up in gear. We are rolling right along. Some teams are sitting there without a win on their schedule. Some teams are sitting there going, can I make the playoffs with this kind of record? Well, the chances are very low. If you are 0-3, your chances of making the playoffs are about 3.5%. It's actually a little under 3.5%. That's historically. Now, this year, we do have the extra wild card, so keep in mind that percentage is supposed to up. But you're still sitting at like 5 or 6%. Things are not looking good for you 0-3 teams. Things are not looking good for you. And I consider the Philadelphia Eagles at this point an 0-3 team, don't you? I mean, you know, look, a tie is a tie. But if you're playing for a tie, how much confidence do you have? So the Bengals are 0-3. The Texans, the Falcons, the Jets, the Vikings, and the Broncos are all 0-3. And some of these teams you kind of understand. The Bengals are in a rebuild with a rookie quarterback. The Broncos are on their third quarterback now. They're going to start ripping. Look, it's a third quarterback, whatever you have to say about it. The Vikings, they don't really have an excuse. But they did lose their offensive coordinator, and they are dealing with a bunch of rookies on the defensive side. The Texans, who knows? Who knows? I mean, they traded Hopkins. I mean, is that what you're going to say? A playoff team from a year ago? Well, I think people are going to say, yeah, just a massive, massive scheduling blunder. They're playing the three best teams in the NFL. The Falcons, oh, everyone's blaming Dan Quinn. But the Falcons, they had leads, big leads in all of those games. The Eagles obviously playing for a tie. And then you have the Jets and the Giants. And the Giants could blame Barkley, sure. How about the Jets? Are you blaming Le'Veon Bell? I mean, is that the reasoning? Then you have the 3-0 and teams. Kansas City's 3-0, and and no one is shocked. The Green Bay Packers are 3-0, and and I guess this is a mild shock because you expected the Saints to be better, but the Packers played two pathetic defenses, and now the Saints' defense doesn't look too good either. The Bills are 3-0. and They played two really weak teams and then beat a good Rams team last week. In the fashion that they beat them didn't matter. The Bills are legit 3-0. and The Seahawks are 3-0. and I think they're a fraudulent 3-0. and They probably should have lost to Dallas. They probably should have lost to Atlanta. Seattle's a fraudulent 3-0, and not because of Russell Wilson and because how good he is, but because of the defense and how bad the defense is. This defense is Terrible, guys. And moving forward, we've got to make sure we pay attention to the defense being terrible. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 3-0. Not to my surprise. I had the Steelers as my best bet moving forward to make the playoffs. I had the Steelers winning the division. I have futures tickets on the Steelers winning the championship. I had T.J. Watt as the best defensive player in the league, winning the defensive MVP award. I had Ben Roethlisberger winning comeback player of the year award. I was all over the Steelers, and I feel good about their 3-0 start. Then you have the Tennessee Titans. I think Tennessee is a fraudulent 3-0. The Tennessee Titans' defense doesn't look good. They left 30 points in back-to-back weeks. They needed a late rally last week behind Goskowski, who doesn't look like himself. Derrick Henry's got the yards, but Derrick Henry is averaging under four yards a carry this year. So I think Tennessee is a little bit fraudulent. And then the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears, everyone thinks is a fraudulent team. 
But now they just replaced their quarterback. They put in Nick Foles, gave him a little jolt. We'll see how the Bears are moving forward. If the Bears win this week, I think everyone will be on board that, you know what, the Bears are a legitimate team. So that's club 3-0. That's club winless. That's where we're looking. Let's have a little fun here, okay? And let's see, out of the 3-0 teams, who is a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Because, look, 3-0, you go, it's early. It's early. Don't worry about it. It's only 3-0. It's early. You don't want to get too crazy. It's early. That's what everyone wants to continue to say, right? But let's be honest. You only got 16 games in this crazy season, right? 3-0. Next game. We're already one-fourth of the season in, so 3-0 and means something. Kansas City Chiefs, they were always a Super Bowl contender, right? They were a contender before time. They're a contender now. I don't see any buying opportunity for a futures play on Kansas City at all, so we'll stay away from that one. How about the Green Bay Packers? Well, the Green Bay Packers are suddenly a Super Bowl contender, but they, they had pretty good odds for the Super Bowl before the year. They have good odds now. The odds have actually gone up. I, I see no buying opportunity on Green Bay because I still don't believe in this terrible defense. I mean, and that's what it is. Look, the defense is terrible. And if you really want to buy on Green Bay, here's my betting advice for you guys. If you really want to buy on a Green Bay future, um, get it now because it's only going to go up. Because if they beat Atlanta this week on prime time and Rodgers looks good again against a really, really bad defense, all of a sudden the whole narrative is going to be that Green Bay is unstoppable. So if you like them, grab them now because they're only going to go up in the next couple of weeks. Green Bay's got a really soft schedule. How about the Buffalo Bills? I bought on the Buffalo Bills. Last year, I liked them to win the division. This year, I took them to win the division. I sprinkled a little bit on them for the Super Bowl. Massive odds. Guys, I think they could compete with Kansas City. I didn't say beat. I said I think they could compete with Kansas City. I think they could compete with Baltimore. It would not shock me to watch the Buffalo Bills sitting there in the AFC Championship game. The thing that's always held Buffalo back has been the offense. Well, this year the offense is absolutely rolling. We know Josh Allen's got over 1,000 yards. He's got 10 touchdowns. He's got one interception. He looks really good, but the defense is a problem. They're still stuffing the run, ranked 8th in the league, but their defensive backfield all of a sudden is kind of an issue. It's kind of a problem. That's a weird situation. And if they could fix that defense, I'll be buying in way more than I am right now. I don't think they're buying opportunity quite yet. You go to the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle had a little value before the year. You guys want to go out there and you want to jump on them right now, I am going to advise you to run far away from that. I don't think that this is a good buy-on team. They lost Bruce Irvin from a really bad defense. I mean, this defense is real bad. And now they lost Jamal Adams. At least he's banged up. This defense is bad. They're losing guys. I don't like the Seattle team at all in this spot. Not to buy on now. Can they get to an NFC Championship game? Could they represent the Super Bowl? Maybe, but they're going to need a lot of defensive problems fixed. Russell Wilson ain't throwing five touchdowns and throwing for 72 touchdowns on the year, and that's what we're looking at. Russell Wilson throwing for 72 touchdowns on the year. That's rough. All right, how about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, I bought them before the year. I think you buy them now. I do. Because if Pittsburgh continues to go in the direction that they are, they're a top five defense. They're going out there and they're making big moves and they're they're beating good teams. Every day Ben Roethlisberger shows he's healthy is another day that their odds go down. 
I think Pittsburgh is the legitimate contender to take down Kansas City. I'm not saying that they've leapfrogged Baltimore. I think Baltimore is probably a better team. But head-to-head, Baltimore Ravens are now 0-3 against KC. The Baltimore Ravens are 0-2 in the playoffs. That means Lamar Jackson basically in really good games is 0-5. So I'm throwing them out. It is Pittsburgh against Kansas City, and I think they match up well. That defense can at least contain Mahomes, and I think Big Ben will have an absolute field day. So if you want to buy on a team right now, Pittsburgh might be the team. Let's look at some other 3-0 teams. Tennessee, I just told you, I think they're fraudulent. There isn't a buying opportunity at all here. They are an absolute fraudulent team. No one's believing in them completely. And if you are, you're just lost. They might make the playoffs, and they might win a round, maybe. And that's all of a maybe. And then you got the Chicago Bears. Look, if you wanted to buy on the Bears, now is the time. I'm not suggesting that you do because I think that the Bears have a lot up against them. I don't love what I'm seeing from their defense right now. I know they just lost Tariq Cohen. But let's talk about the positives of buying a long shot like the Bears, who are more than 20 to 1 odds. Let's look at a long shot. The NFC has proven it's wide open. The NFC East is real bad. The NFC West, they're beating each other up, and none of them have a good defense. You look at the South, what was supposed to be a strong division, you have two aging quarterbacks that can hit the wall at any time, and then you look at who the Bears are up against, and it's basically Green Bay. Now, I know the history of that, and they can't beat Aaron Rodgers, but the Bears also got just an infusion of energy when Nick Foles was put into the lineup. Montgomery looks healthy again. Robinson's getting into the flow. Jimmy Graham has a couple of touchdowns. All of a sudden, the Bears, Nick Foles got put into the game, and Khalil Mack was living in the backfield. Akeem Hicks was living in the backfield. Suddenly, the Chicago Bears went from, well, you know what, they're a fraudulent 3-0 team, to, whoa, maybe Nick Foles changes something. So if you're looking for a long shot to buy on, there's still an opportunity to buy on the Bears. That is the state of the 3-0 and o teams, where they sit right now, and potential buying opportunities. Well, let's look at the, the bottom of the barrel. And the bottom of the barrel is going, well, is a team going to go 0-16? Because those odds are out there. You're still plus money at 0-16. Despite what we've seen with these garbage teams, you're still plus money at 0-16. And you're looking at, forget about even the 0-16, you're looking at, whoa, hold on a second, who's going to get Trevor Lawrence? And this is what we're looking at here. Guys, Denver, the Jets, you knew there was going to be a winner there. Minnesota-Houston, someone's going to come out a winner there. So these teams, it's going to dwindle down. But let's look at a realistic number for who could potentially get Trevor Lawrence. And I'm only looking at the undefeated teams now because they have a little bit of an advantage, right? So even though Jacksonville may spiral downhill and still wind up getting Trevor Lawrence, I'm only going to look at these teams for the time being, for this discussion. I am fully well aware that Jacksonville might be in this conversation. I'm fully well aware that Washington might be in this discussion. And I think that those two teams might be trading up to get there. But let's just look at the, the unbeaten or the beaten teams. Now, Denver and the Jets uh, came into the week. Both of them are in a spot where they're both probably looking at Trevor Lawrence. Sam Darnold has played well. It's not Sam Darnold's fault what's going on with the Jets. And are the Jets willing to move on from him? Here's the thing. Adam Gase will be out of a job if the Jets continue to go where they are. Adam Gase is going to be out of a job, which means maybe you bring in somebody new. Somebody out there, would they trade for Sam Darnold? Yeah, I think they would. If you have the number one draft pick and you have your heart set on Trevor Lawrence, I think you could unload Sam Darnold to 
any number of these teams, any number of the other teams. How about to Jacksonville, Sam Donald? How about uh, to Washington, Sam Donald? So I think the Jets are in play for Trevor Lawrence, but I have a hard time believing they will just completely pack it in for a guy that, look, Trevor Lawrence is, is fantastic. But I don't know if they're ready to move on from Sam Donald being that number one pick and, and that huge, huge, huge investment the team made into him. The Denver Broncos, well, that's a little bit different story. Drew Locke was going to be the guy. Drew Locke got injured. Then they go to number two. Now they're sitting here. They went to Driscoll. Now they're on ripping. They are looking for an answer. And they've been looking for an answer at quarterback for quite some time. John Elway, I know he likes Drew Locke. John Elway will not be able to turn down this deal. He will not be able to turn down the fact that he could get Trevor Lawrence and completely rejuvenate that entire franchise. Trevor Lawrence and Denver, guys, I don't think Denver's going to be bad enough to get the number one overall seed, but that makes a lot of sense. How about Minnesota? Well, Minnesota's in a spot where I didn't think that they were going to be this bad. I don't think that they're going to be really in play for Trevor Lawrence. But if they are, this is a pretty good transition, right? Trevor Lawrence takes over from the overpaid and overpriced Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, you're jettison, you're a veteran, you're out of here. We bring him in with a dynamic running game in Dalvin Cook. We bring him in with, a look, a very good young tight end. I'm not talking about Kyle Rudolph. I'm talking about Irv Smith. We bring him in with a team that he's got weapons in Thielen and Jefferson. You you put Trevor Lawrence in a good spot, and he's going to play indoors on that fast track. Minnesota makes a lot of sense. Denver makes a lot of sense. I don't think either one of them are going to be bad enough. The Falcons are not getting rid of Matt Ryan, guys, and it's not Matt Ryan's fault, and I don't think the Falcons are going to be in any position to get the number one overall seed. It, it, look, you could dream in Atlanta, and you know that they are dreaming of their guy that they watch not that far away in Clemson, to be thrown to Ridley and Julio. You know they're dreaming about that, but they're not ready to move on from Matt Ryan, so that's not a discussion. Yeah, same thing with Houston Texans. Look, it's not Deshaun Watson's fault. They just signed into a big deal, so we're not going to talk about that. The Giants are an interesting team. The Giants are a team that you look at and you go, they may very well be this bad. They have the worst scoring offense. They have the worst offensive line. But they've been building things recently here. You can't blame this all on Saquon Barkley. But the images of Saquon Barkley running with Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence throwing to Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, Trevor Lawrence going out there and throwing to Shepard and Slayton, Andrew Thomas is your left guard. They just invested in him last year. All of a sudden, it starts to make sense. Now, I know Daniel Jones was just picked by them, but you have to think that Gettleman and company will be out if this thing goes sideways. If this thing goes as bad as it looks like it can be, you have to think that Dave Gettleman will be gone. And if Gettleman's gone, who's to say that Daniel Jones can't be following him? It's an interesting one. Cincinnati clearly not making that move, which brings me to the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles are going to go this bad, but I didn't think the Eagles would be 0-2 and playing for a tie against Cincinnati. I didn't think the Eagles in any chance would be in this spot. And I don't think that they should move on from Carson Wentz. And they gave him a huge number to not move on from him. But I know that the Eagles fans are talking about it. Guys, forget this conversation. It's just a bad look for you. It's a bad look overall to even approach this kind of conversation, guys. It's not happening, so don't have it. So who and where might he go? Where does was Trevor Lawrence kind of fit? Because on the betting markets, you can make some money on this. 
So there are only a handful of teams, in my opinion, that really would take this shot. I think the Niners might actually be able to do it, but they're not going to be bad enough, obviously, okay? Um, You look at the Falcons aren't moving on. No, that's not happening. You go out, you look at teams. Well, if Drew Brees is done, right, he's gone. I know they said Taysom Hill, but the Saints would have to make massive trades. They're not going to be that bad. So let's just look realistically here. So realistically, the Carolina Panthers are the favorites. They were the favorites before the year. You could get them uh, plus like 140 before the year, and the numbers have moved down. Carolina still makes the most sense. He's a guy right from Carolina area. They'll love him there. You put him with Christian McCaffrey. That's exciting. More running the pattern. I mean, they have a lot of excitement there. You put Trevor Lawrence in that spot. To me, they're still the front runners. But there are teams that are getting into the mix. Getting into the mix, you got to question Washington. Dwayne Haskins isn't the answer. He's just not. And oh, by the way, it's not just about Trevor Lawrence. There's also Justin Fields. Uh, Look, he's not the answer. Dwayne Haskins isn't the guy. I don't know if he lasts too much longer. I mentioned the Giants and the Eagles. Forget about that. It's Washington. It's Carolina. What about the Vikings? Vikings are that interesting team. Vikings are an interesting team, but you can't expect the Vikings to be this bad. Look, I think the Bears would jump on them in a heartbeat, but the Bears don't have anything to go on. it. They're all of a sudden, they're 3-0. The Broncos are a team that will not turn him down. I just don't think that this lasts for the Broncos. I think the Raiders would love him. It's not, the Raiders are not going to be bad enough. The Jaguars are obviously in play. Jaguars, Carolina, Washington are your three, I guess we'll call them front runners. But do not discount the New York teams. And that's where I'm kind of going with this. You have Washington, you have Jacksonville, and you have teams that are sitting on the outside. Washington, Jacksonville, Carolina are the three front runners. The two New York teams in Denver, those are the secondary teams. And it's funny because they're going to have to make a decision in all of those spots for guys that they thought. They thought Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, and Sam Donald were their guys. I think in Carolina, you kind of knew he wasn't it. And I think in Jacksonville, look, I like what I've seen from Gardner Minshew, but I don't think that they were ever fully convinced that Minshew was going to be the guy. Okay? In Washington, they're going with Haskins, who's a first-round guy, but I don't think they're convinced. So to me, there's six teams, really, in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. I have a hard time believing, as pathetic as the Jets are, that they will move on. They're not one player away, and I have a hard time believing that they will move on. I still have a hard time believing that the Giants will move on from what they're doing. So that really leaves four. I'm not sure that any of these four teams will be the number one pick, but I think all four teams will be in the market for a quarterback if they get that bad. I still think Minshew can be the guy. I don't think that they do. So it comes down to, do you believe in Haskins? I don't think Washington's going to be that bad. All right, Carolina and Denver. And why I mentioned Denver, while I don't think that they're going to be that bad, it wouldn't shock me to see one of these kind of crazy trades come up. We're talking about six teams to get the number one seed. In my opinion, four of the six teams would be looking to trade out. Four of the six teams will be looking to get rid of that and dump that number one pick. Is it a sure bet that Trevor Lawrence winds up landing in Carolina? I gave it to you before the year. I gave it to you last year. I think Carolina is the obvious destination. Carolina makes the most sense. I bet it when it was good, a good number at plus 140. I bet it again before the year. I would bet it again today. As long as you are about even money on Carolina, even if you got to lay 110 or so, I'm still taking Carolina. Not much has changed. We're three weeks into the season. We'll see where I am at the halfway point. We'll revisit at this. 
We'll be back right after this on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Oh, we are talking about bad teams. Well, who will be the first NFL head coach fired? Oh, these are updated odds, guys. I know we talked about it before the year. How about Dan Quinn leading the way? Falcons coach plus 150. Adam Gase plus 250 right behind him. Matt Patricia plus 400. Bill O'Brien plus 600. Mike Zimmer plus 800. Anthony Lynn is 10 to 1. Doug Marone is 12 to 1. Vic Fangio is 15 to 1. I'm telling you right now, guys, these are the odds, but I don't love any of it. What are the odds? Let me tell you why I don't love it, okay? Vic Fangio at 15 to 1, he's not being fired, guys. He's doing a fine job. Look, John Elway and company, they are fully well aware that Vic Fangio lost Von Miller to a freak injury. A.J. Boye to a freak injury. You can argue they're two best defensive players. You can argue also he lost his number one receiver in Cortland Sutton. You can argue also that he lost his starting quarterback, backup quarterback, and now he's on the third stringer. Vic Fangio's not going anywhere at 15-1. to Doug Marone at 12-1. to Doug Marone makes a lot of sense at 12-1. to He makes a lot of sense because they clearly are going in a different direction. We talked about the Trevor Lawrence direction. And we are looking at this and saying, yeah, they should be moving in a different direction. They should be going somewhere else. It hasn't worked for Doug Marone. But he did get a win already this year. Okay? He does have Gardner Minshew. But if Minshew goes, doesn't Marone go? And at 12 to 1 odds, here's the problem. I would jump all over this because I think Marone is absolutely not their head coach in 2021. I don't think so. But in order to fire a coach... In the middle of the season, you had to have thought that your team was going to compete. Nobody thought Jacksonville was going to compete. So, in my opinion, Jacksonville has to trade courses and change completely. And if they're going to completely change courses, why would you fire this guy in the middle of the season, bring in an interim for a short stint, and then goes, no, no, no. Doug Marone will be fired after the year. But he's not being fired now. 12 to 1 odds is a little enticing because you know he's not going to be there, though. Anthony Lynn at 10 to 1. I think this is silly odds. Look, Anthony Lynn uh, did lose a game there. He probably should have won. But you want consistency. You want your head coach being consistent with your brand new quarterback. You want that to continue. You don't want to switch. This is more about Justin Herbert. You don't want to switch coaches in the middle of a season with a quarterback. You don't want to do that. If they did that, they'd use their head coach, uh, would become the offensive coordinator. You know that because the quarterback's so important. So I just don't see that happening. Mike Zimmer at 8-1 to one is ridiculous. I know Minnesota's bad this year. And their defense is bad, and Zimmer's like an offensive guy. He's really done some things with Minnesota, though. He has made Minnesota into a perennial contender. It, this thing could go completely off the rails, and I think Zimmer's safe. He just lost his offensive coordinator, Stefanski. He, you, you replaced both cornerbacks with rookies. He lost his best defensive player to an injury. I, I'm sorry. Mike Zimmer's not going anywhere, even if this thing goes completely off the rails. That's the same thing with Bill O'Brien. It is very difficult. We all laugh at Bill O'Brien. He's a complete moron, right? Oh, Bill O'Brien stinks. He's an idiot. Bill O'Brien's winning division titles, and Bill O'Brien's going to the playoffs constantly. Now, you can say if Bill O'Brien doesn't win a playoff game this year, after the year, maybe you, you look a different direction. You just allowed months ago. I'm not even talking a year ago. Six months ago, you allowed 
Bill O'Brien to get rid of and you let him get rid of the number one option. You let him get rid of your best offensive player outside of Deshaun Watson. Hopkins is playing in Arizona. So, I mean, yeah, Bill O'Brien at 6-1. to one. Guys, he's not going. If you're allowing him six months ago to have this much control after winning division titles and playoff games, he's just not going. He should go. If this was who should go, sure, I'm not putting my money on him. There's no way I'm putting my money on him. It doesn't make any sense. So right now, Doug Marone at 12-1 to 1 is the best bet. They're holding most value, but there's three guys left. Matt Patricia at 4-1. to 1. People were screaming for Matt Patricia's head, and I defended him. I'm not a Matt Patricia fan, okay? And I think that eventually they need to move on. He's not the guy there, but for this year, he might be. He might be there the whole year. You have to like what you've seen if you're Detroit. I know, it's a crazy statement, right? But you have to like what you've seen if you're Detroit. Here's why you have to like what you've seen if you're Detroit. In game one, they should have won that game. They came out, you know, and doing this without Galladay, they played well. They beat the Cardinals. I don't think Matt Patricia is going to, you know, win one game this year all year long, and it's going to be on the road against the Cardinals. And I don't think he's a playoff kind of guy. He may lose his job after the year. But, again, to make a change in the middle of the year just doesn't make any sense. I think Patricia's safe, safe for the year. I, I think that win really did help him. So that leaves us to two. Dan Quinn at plus 150, Adam Gase at plus 250. After game one, people were calling for Adam Gase's head. He's got to be fired. He's got to go. After game two, people were calling for Dan Quinn's head. Now, everyone said Dan Quinn should be gone. This is a man that did lead the team to a Super Bowl. And I'm not defending Dan Quinn. I want to give you an idea, though. He went to a Super Bowl, guys. And I'm not defending him. I'm giving you that. Dan Quinn also had the lead in all three games. Now, he did lose the lead in all three games, sure, but he also had the lead in all three games. It says to me that the Falcons are going to turn this thing around. He also has the crutch of, well, Julio Jones has been banged up or out. Well, he's got that clutch. He has a lot of things. You also have to look at this from the perspective of Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons. And the owner of the Falcons is saying, well, if I... Get rid of Dan Quinn. I need to bring in a huge name. Arthur Blank owns Home Depot, guys. He's got some cash, okay? I want to bring in a huge name to replace him. Well, the worst thing to happen to Atlanta would be that the Atlanta Falcons actually finish these games with an interim. So let's say you fired Dan Quinn after this week. Let's say they have another 15-point meltdown against Green Bay. In the fourth quarter. And Aaron Rodgers beats them. They go to 0-4. Fire Dan Quinn. Now, you've had a lead in every game you've played. You have you've have a very good offense. Julio Jones is coming back. Now, all of a sudden, you bring an interim head coach in. Somebody from the coaching staff. Yeah, you get bumped up. All right, you're going to be fine. And take on the 0-4 Atlanta Falcons who have just blown leads. But they've had leads. Now, all of a sudden, your interim head coach starts being able to close out these games. Julio Jones may be the difference maker. He's a little bit healthier. And Atlanta wins 8 of 12. And Atlanta finishes 8-8. Eight and eight. Not even a great side. Atlanta finishes 8-8. Eight and 9-7. Eight. and seven. They have a playoff push. Or, or even just for 500. All of a sudden, how do you get rid of that interim? How do you get rid of the coach? Arthur Blank wants to bring a, a huge name. 
wants to go go after Dabo Sweeney, right? That's what this guy wants to do. I'm going to throw big money at a big name. You can't do that if your interim coach is winning. You cannot do that. Plus 150. He may be fired. There may be a little bit of money there. And he may be fired by Tuesday. I mean, he really might. But I think the bet to have here is Adam Gase. The fans do not like Adam Gase. That's just reality. The team does not like Adam Gase. That's just reality. Go ask Jamal Adams how much the team likes Adam Gase, right? So the fans do not like this guy. The team doesn't like this guy. As opposed to Dan Quinn, who has been to a Super Bowl, Adam Gase has accomplished nothing in his career. Nothing! This guy is a disaster. In Miami, he took over a team and he said, hey, you're the best player, get off my team. Hey, you're the best player, get off my team. Comes to the Jets and the Jets are going, yeah, we don't want to play for this guy. He's a train wreck. Get out of here. Okay? Oh, yeah, sure, I'll take on this. Adam Gase is a wreck. Adam Gase came in and people questioned his job. I was one of them. Questioned the hiring. Why are you hiring this idiot? And now... All of a sudden, we're looking at it and going, yeah, he's the idiot we all thought he was. Okay? He's a bad head coach. But besides being a bad head coach, he doesn't have any communication skills. He's not a a guy that woos the media. He's not a guy that the fans are attached to. He's not a guy that the players are attached to. What is keeping him here? And where I just told you that the Atlanta Falcons are a little bit in danger because Arthur Blank has huge money that he wants to throw it big, big time money, bring this guy in, and he doesn't want to get stuck with the interim. You could bring in Belichick, and I don't know if the Jets win eight games this year. Okay? That's how bad the Jets are. So there's no real threat of putting an interim there. I'll tell you what, Greg Williams should have been the head coach from day one. Greg Williams should have been the head coach of Cleveland. So maybe you do put Greg Williams in there. Let's see the results he gets. But I think right now, if you're making a bet on who's going to be fired, Adam Gase plus 250 makes a lot of sense. You want a long shot? Doug Marone. But Adam Gase makes a lot of sense here, guys. I can't believe he's still on the team. I can't believe he's still coaching the team. Should have been fired before he was hired. All right, guys, let's talk about some of these games here. Got a big slate of games this week. Indy, Chicago, no one believes that the Bears are as good as their record. Indianapolis sitting here, number one defense in the league, points per game, rushing yards per game, passing yards per game. They are number one overall, but they've also played the Jets, and that really helped out. They've played some terrible teams here. When they played against Jacksonville, this team, in their only loss, did not punt the ball. Their offense is working well as well. In the game that they lost, Phillip Rivers threw for 360. Now he made a lot of mistakes. That's what Chicago's got to hope for here. They're getting two and a half points. The over-under is 43. People are expecting a defensive game. Nick Foles, he's going to make a little bit of a difference, but I think the big difference maker here is Akeem Nix and Khalil Mack have got to rattle Phillip Rivers. they got to get in the backfield, they got to get in his face, and they've got to cause disruption. Detroit, New Orleans. New Orleans is a four-point favorite against Detroit. Is it over for New Orleans? Is the run over? Well, Sean Payton made them realize today, listen, this is gut check time. He said, this is it. This is gut check time. New Orleans needs to respond here. And they might respond with Michael Thomas, but they certainly will respond with Alvin Kamara. I expect a huge game out of New Orleans. The thing is that their defense is not playing well. Detroit can move it up and down the field. Galladay is a difference maker. Total here is 54. Arizona, Carolina. Arizona minus 3.5 on the road against Carolina. Long distance trip. Arizona. Everybody loved Arizona. Lots of turnovers by Kyler Murray. He's still young. People forget about that. How about Carolina? Carolina. 
Well, Teddy Bridgewater wins another game as an underdog. He came into the season 17-3 and against the spread as an underdog and won last week, won on the road last week in impressive fashion. Carolina was slinging the ball all over the field. I think Arizona has a little bit of trouble here on the road. I do. Now, Arizona's the better team. Arizona has the better quarterback. Arizona has the better head coach. So there's a lot of things going towards Arizona, but they are playing on the East Coast in that 1 o'clock window on the road and laying points. That is a handicapper's nightmare. Jacksonville, Cincinnati. Cincinnati's three-point favorite. Everybody watched Jacksonville. Everybody watched Minshew struggle for the first time. And the guy has one bad game on national TV when he's missing his starting wide receiver. And people go, see, told you Minshew wasn't good. Are are we kidding? Are we serious here? Look, Jacksonville, I'm not saying they're a good team. They certainly are not a good team. But let's give a little bit more credit to what Gardner Minshew has done. He had one bad game. And he had a bad game. A lot of his receivers missed spots, but he overthrew some guys. He had a bad game. I'm not saying he didn't. But he was missing DJ Chark. He was missing his number one receiver. When you are a team that has massive talent and you miss that number one receiver, I'm looking at you, Michael Thomas, in New Orleans. You feel it. Imagine you're a team that doesn't have any talent and you miss that number one wide receiver. Well, that's Jacksonville. Now they have 10 days to get healthy. Now they have 10 days to correct things. And Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, they've been favored three times. The last three times they were favored, they lost every game. I don't think Cincinnati should be a favorite here, but it's hard to take Jacksonville in this spot. Cincinnati played well against Philly last week, by the way. Dallas, Cleveland, what is wrong with Dallas? I don't like their game plan. I don't like the fact that their middle linebackers or backup middle linebackers, I should say, are being abused, but their offense is still really, really good. 55 and a half is the number here. I'm seeing it go up to 56 against Cleveland. Cleveland, the problem here is Baker Mayfield on offense. On defense, they just look bad. They are being able to be passed all over the place. You could take complete advantage of Cleveland. I mentioned it last week. I said, you know, Washington's dangerous because Cleveland's so bad defensively, but Washington can't take advantage through the air, and Cleveland can't defend the pass. They can certainly defend the run. I still think that Dallas is going to try to establish the run. I still think that they should with Ezekiel Elliott. Cleveland obviously going to try to establish the run, but Cleveland is bad through the air. Dak Prescott might have a field day. Over-under is 56.5. Minnesota-Houston. Oh, this is bad. O and O against O and O. No. That's what we're looking at. Houston and Minnesota. Deshaun Watson and Houston, four and a half point favorite over is 54 and a half. Look, Deshaun Watson's the best player on the field every time he takes the field. But right now, Houston is struggling. They have a lot of problems defensively, but not nearly as much as Minnesota. Minnesota's still missing Hunter in the middle. They're still playing two cornerbacks on the outside, and people are abusing Minnesota through the air. Houston wants to throw, 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 and throw, and maybe run it every now and then. Oh, are you going to run it? Well, we're still going to run it with Watson. I mean, this is what Houston's MO is. If Deshaun Watson is on target, this game is a laugher down in Houston. Seattle Miami, the world is backing Seattle here, and the number has fallen. It opened at seven. It's down to six and a half. Everyone's on Seattle. Well, why is the number falling? The number's falling because there are some key injuries to a bad, bad defense in Seattle. That's all you could say. Seattle's defense is awful, guys. What you have in Seattle is a defense that's giving up 400 yards per game. They are terrible, and they just lost Bruce Irvin, one of their better defensive players. Jamal Adams is banged up, and now comes in Miami, or they come into Miami, one of the longest trips in the NFL from Seattle to Miami, and they're giving seven and a half points. They're giving seven and a half points to a team that had 10 days to prepare. They're giving seven points here, or six and a half, seven, depending on where you're shopping. They're giving the points 
to a team that not only had the time off, they're also playing at home. They're also playing with a rejuvenated Ryan Fitzpatrick. He looked really good on Thursday. I know it was against Jacksonville, but he looked really good. Is it a coincidence that he started to look good when Devontae Parker started to look healthy? His number one receiver, Parker and Williams and Gazeki are matchup nightmares for even a good defense. And Seattle is not that. Russell Wilson's going to have another great day. He's got 14 touchdowns in three games. I think he gets another four or five. I mean, literally, he may go for another four or five here. That's how good Russell Wilson is. But Miami's offense can keep pace. I think this is a trap game, a dangerous, dangerous game for Seattle. If Seattle can go in there and blow them out. And and win this game, you know, 42 to 20. Yeah, sure, I can see that. But I think Miami's going to play a little bit better than people expect. Chargers, Tampa Bay. Tom Brady's a seven-point favorite over the Chargers and Justin Herbert. This is kind of old meets new. Problem is old is clicking and new, well, kind of fell back to earth. When he threw Justin Herbert in there against Kansas City and they were not prepared for him, Justin Herbert looked really, really good. He looked like he was reading the field. He looked like he had no fear out there. Well, he didn't really have a game plan, so he's kind of winging it. Now he had a game plan last week, and he looked really bad. The Carolina Panthers made him look foolish out there, and he's got weapons. He's got Eckler and Allen and, and Henry. He's got plenty of weapons, just not able to utilize them. You have a rookie here in this spot, first road game on the road, 1 o'clock game against Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. Guys, it's just a recipe for disaster. Now, I do think that Joey Bosa and company will rattle Tom Brady a little bit. I do believe that. And I do like the fact that Brady's going to have an outlet to Gronkowski. But I hate the fact that Godwin's not in the game. Tampa Bay seems like the obvious choice. I think they get the win here. But it's all about Justin Herbert. How much do you believe in him? How much can he grow from one time to another? Finally, Baltimore, Washington. This number opened up at 12. It's all the way up to 13, 13 and half in some spots. I can't wait to see the bounce back here. The bounce back is absolutely key. Will Baltimore bounce back with a vengeance, be angry, take on this Washington team and say, you know what? I don't really care. We're we're putting that game behind us, put Monday night behind us. We're just going to say, don't worry about it and just steamroll Washington. Or is this a spot, because Washington's won three of the last six games, is this a spot here where Baltimore hangs their head a little bit. We waited all off season. We were playing so well. We went on to Monday Night Football and got abused by Kansas City. Lamar Jackson threw for 97 yards. Every problem that Lamar Jackson had from every detractor out there was on full display on Monday night. He is not Patrick Mahomes. He should not have ever been compared to Patrick Mahomes. A great year last year, but throwing-wise, he's still a problem. Here's the thing. I would like Washington here if I knew Chase Young was in there. He's that much of an impact player for me. He's banged up. He's not 100%. I don't think Washington could take advantage over the top. I don't believe in Dwayne Haskins. I just can't lay double digits in this spot. Finally, it was supposed to be Pittsburgh, Tennessee in the 1 o'clock window, so we'll touch on it briefly. Look, I liked Pittsburgh a lot in this spot. I mentioned it at the top. I think Pittsburgh has a chance to play for the AFC Championship. I think Pittsburgh has a chance to play in the Super Bowl. I think Pittsburgh has a chance for all of that. Why? Because I see no holes in this game. Pittsburgh has the best defense in the NFL, the best defensive player in the NFL, in my opinion, T.J. Watt. 
They have complementary defensive players, potentially the best cornerback in the NFL in Minka Fitzpatrick. They have things all over the field here that just work well defensively. Offensively, Big Ben's throwing the ball all over the field, and he's doing it with a rocket arm. Claypool and Juju and Deontay Johnson. By the way, James Conner looks good, and Snell looks good. This is a spot for Pittsburgh that I would have jumped all over had there not been COVID concerns. Tennessee, I don't believe in them. Their defense is bad. Derrick Henry, he's getting yards, but the guy's under four yards per carry right now. I would have been all over Pittsburgh, but we do have the COVID problem to worry about. All right, guys, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to to the future. The new playoff title odds. From the Superbook Sports have been released, guys, in college football. Let's go to the top. Clemson now sitting at 5-2 to two to make the playoffs. Guys, I think that this is a great bet. We'll analyze it in a minute. Ohio State 3-1. to one. Alabama 5-1. to one. Florida, Georgia 10-1. to one. Notre Dame, Texas at 20-1. to one. Miami, Oklahoma, Oregon, Penn State 30-1. to one. Auburn, Michigan, USC, Wisconsin 40-1. to one. Texas A&M, Minnesota, Mississippi State, Oklahoma State, 60 to 1. UCF, North Carolina, 100 to 1. Boise State, LSU, Utah are 200 to 1. BYU, Cincinnati, K-State, Memphis, and Washington are 300 to 1. And that is bet to the future. And before we go back to the NFL, I just want to touch on this real real fast here. Um Look, the 300 to 1 odds, guys, BYU, Cincinnati, K-State, Memphis, Washington, I, I mean, you don't like any of that, right? I mean, maybe Washington at 300 to 1, maybe, I don't like any of that. Boise, LSU, Utah, maybe Utah, 200 to 1, questions with the Pac-12 are, are serious questions here, guys, that I, I wouldn't go anywhere near it. UCF 100 to 1. I don't think in a COVID year you're squeaking UCF in there. UNC, everybody was real on top of them. But if you're going with UNC, you have to believe that they're going to beat Clemson uh, at 100 to 1. There are worse odds, okay? Uh, but but I don't love it. A&M, Minnesota, Mississippi State, Oklahoma State, 60 to 1. Auburn, Michigan, USC, Wisconsin. You can see where the Big Ten numbers, the Pac-12 numbers are massively down. Michigan's 40 to 1 to make the college football playoff. So that is an interesting takeaway. Miami, Oklahoma, Oregon, Penn State. Again, kind of the same thing. You look at Miami and you go, Miami's one that could they squeak in? Hey, 30 to 1. Notre Dame and Texas at 20 to 1. I believe that Notre Dame absolutely at 20 to 1 makes sense. Again, you have to believe that they're going to run through the ACC schedule. You have to believe that they're either going to win or play real tight with Clemson, and in this case, probably win. But if you're going to go bet the game, okay, this is how you'll have to look at value, guys. If you're going to go bet the game of Notre Dame against Clemson, you're not getting 20 to 1 odds on Notre Dame. So if you believe they could go through the ACC schedule just get to 20 to 1 odds on Notre Dame to basically beat Clemson. Well, that's a good bet. I'm circling Notre Dame here. Florida, Georgia 10 to 1. A lot of people on Georgia 10 to 1. That seems like very attractive. Look, Trask and Florida, they're looking good. Alabama at 5 to 1. I think there's some value at Alabama at 5 to 1. I think there's value at Alabama. I think Alabama's a shoe in here. At 5-1. to one. I think Alabama could lose a game this year, even in the short schedule, and probably make it just because I think the whole thing's rigged to Alabama. Ohio State 3-1, to one, I'm not touching that. And Clemson at 5-2. to two. Guys, you got to lay 
500 bucks to win $200 with Clemson to make the college football playoff. I think they are a shoe in I, I don't want to ever say the L word, okay? And that's that's not to, like, my wife. I don't want to say the L word, L-O-C-K word. I, and that's a four-letter word on this show. I don't want to say that. But, geez, I might lay 500 to win $200, and that's my— I hate laying big money, but but it makes some sense. So that's the college football playoff. wanted to take a, a quick peek at the odd movement there. Let's get back into the NFL. we got the late games now. Rams, Giants, snoozer of the week. Okay, Rams are now 12, 12.5-point favorites over the Giants. The Giants are in a bad way. I don't have to continue to pile on on this show. The Rams, though, they didn't look very good defensively to me. And I know that they came back, and they tied the game, and they looked good offensively, and Cooper Cup got involved, and sure— there's a lot of that going on. But their, their defense didn't look very good. So I don't want to lay 12 and a half even in this spot. I think they probably win and they probably cover. I hate double-digit favorites as it is. And I hate double-digit favorites with a bad defense, which this is. Buffalo and Vegas might be the most intriguing game, maybe the best game on the board. Buffalo's two and a half point favorite. I don't think that we are giving enough recognition to who Josh Allen is right now. I know that he played Miami. And I'm very well aware he played Miami and then the Jets. I get it. Okay, but Josh Allen was making strides last year. And you can't look at the numbers and not be impressed. Over 1,000 yards passing so far, he's got 10 touchdowns and one interception. Josh Allen is on pace for a ridiculous year. Ridiculous year. And he's doing it in a different kind of way. If you watch the game, Josh Allen used to duck and run. And he was a very good runner at that. But he's doing things where he's duck running to make and to create, to make people get open, to create opportunities. He's ducking and running to make downfield plays. His eyes are downfield, and this is the growth of a quarterback that was taken very high in the draft, that had great grades coming out of college. All of a sudden, he's blossoming into this ridiculous quarterback. But Buffalo's defense is weirdly getting taken advantage of deep, especially deep and over the top. Poirier is just not playing that well. And you look at Buffalo and you go, you know, they're number eight in the def- in the league in rushing, but a lot of these yards are coming in garbage time, but they are completing those plays. Las Vegas going to have a hard time running the ball with Josh Jacobs. Las Vegas has the number 26 ranked defense in the NFL. Number 26. And Vegas is going to have to rely upon Derek Carr to go to the air. I've been a supporter of Derek Carr. I think he's a very good quarterback, but you want him going to the air if you're Buffalo because he does make mistakes. He's got a lot of Phillip Rivers in him in that situation, right? He does make mistakes. It's something to pay attention to there. I I look at Buffalo and I go, you know, you win this game on the road, you got to really start paying attention to Buffalo. Not that people aren't paying attention. I still don't think that they get the full recognition. And the same thing with Josh Allen. He's not getting the recognition that he deserves right now. Let's talk about New England and Kansas City because the Kansas City Chiefs are seven-point favorites after that ridiculous win, and the line is falling. It opened at eight. It's down to seven, and a lot of this has to be because of Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is 9-2 and two against the spread when he's more than a touchdown favorite, touchdown or more, and that's the spot here. The last time that New England was a touchdown favorite or a touchdown underdog was against the Cardinals when Tom Brady was suspended. They won that game outright. Kansas City is a really good team. But even the Kansas City Chiefs have shown us with the Chargers hiccup game, where they won, but they didn't deserve to win. It was a tough game. Kansas City has shown us mentally maybe they only get up for the big games. 
because they looked on point against Baltimore on Monday night. Didn't look so good against the Chargers. Well, New England is still New England, yes. But you're coming off of a huge win on Monday night. You're coming off of that win. You're going home. Not a lot of fans in the stands. It's going to be weird. There's no Tom Brady there. And you're going to be facing New England, who's going to run, 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 and run. And they have a little bit of a problem with running quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson looked good on the ground running against the Kansas City Chiefs last week. Now, the defense played very well, but he absolutely got his chunk yardage on the ground. I think Cam has a big day here. I think this is an intriguing game. I can't take New England plus a seven when you know that Kansas City are, are they're a play away for just blowing this thing up. But I think it's going to be an intriguing game. The unintriguing game to me is Philadelphia-San Francisco. Last week, I didn't even want to watch San Francisco against the Giants because it was so ugly. Well, not much has changed here. San Fran playing with a backup quarterback, some backup running backs, some backup wide receivers, uh, backup defensive linemen, backup defensive backs. Their whole teams are backups. Now, they were able to beat the Giants, and that's great. Philadelphia, oh, this team is sickening at times. They are playing for a tie against Cincinnati at home last week. That is just disgusting. And they were playing for a tie against Cincinnati at home because Doug Peterson does not believe in Carson Wentz. You can't change my mind. You cannot change my mind. If Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes were out there, guess what? They go for it. If Lamar Jackson and John Arbor are out there, guess what? They go for it. If Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll are out there, guess what? They go for it. Now, I'll go one better. If Josh Allen's out there, they're going for it. The fact that Philadelphia didn't show us how bad Carson Wentz is. And right now, Carson Wentz, in a clean pocket, has a passer rating of 68. The only man in the league under 70 passer rating in a clean pocket. So his offensive line is banged up. Sure it is. Doesn't matter. He's still throwing badly out of a clean pocket. Dallas Goddard now will be out of this game. I think it's a huge game for Zach Ertz. I still believe Miles Sanders is massively talented and underrated. I'm looking at Philadelphia, and I want to jump all over the seven here. I think Philadelphia is the better team. I think Philadelphia can win this game outright. I think Philadelphia has the pieces. But what I have watched in Carson Wentz this year, and I have been a Carson Wentz defender his entire career, what I've watched in Carson Wentz this year, I see nothing like the kid that I saw coming out of North Dakota State. I see nothing from the kid that I saw being an MVP run during the Super Bowl championship. I saw nothing from what I watched. Carson Wentz last year put a team on his shoulders that were pulling guys off the streets of Philadelphia and saying, go catch some passes. I've seen nothing from that this year. Right now, Carson Wentz is in a bad way, guys. Carson Wentz is a problem for this team. He's got to correct it. I don't know if Sunday night football on the road against the San Francisco 49ers defense, I don't know if that's the spot to do it. So I like Philly plus the seven here at the initial turn, but the more you break it down, you got to stay away. Atlanta-Green Bay is the final game. That's a Monday-nighter. Everyone is on Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is all everything back to being his MVP form. Oh, he's just tremendous, and Atlanta's garbage. That's what they want you to believe. I'm a little bit the other way. Look, Atlanta, Dan Quinn has to know he's playing for his job. And we went through it before. Dan Quinn, he may last the season, but he's kind of playing for his job. He's got to turn this thing around. He's got to turn it around fast. The offense is still very good. And Julio Jones has been banged up or out. Well, he looks like he's going to play in this game. That adds an element. Green Bay, for all the good that Green Bay has done, their defense is really, really bad. Minnesota wasn't really able to capitalize. Detroit had a lead on them. Green Bay's defense, guys, is flat-out bad. 
And you can talk all you want about Atlanta and how bad they are. Matt Ryan in Game 1 put up 450 yards and a loss. Matt Ryan in Game 2, the offense put up 500 total yards of offense, didn't turn the ball over, and lost. Those are fluky, fluky losses. And for everything that you want to say about Atlanta, how about this for Atlanta? They're about three plays away from being 3-0. Right? They're three plays away. I'm not telling you Atlanta could close this out, and they've had 15-point leads in the fourth quarter of two games here. I'm not telling you that they could close this game out and win this game. But seven points, and I'm seeing it go up to seven and a half in some spots. Everyone's on Green Bay. This is a tricky spot. It's a tricky spot for a Green Bay team that might be without Devontae Adams. It's a tricky spot for a Green Bay team that has a bad defense. And it's a tricky spot for an Atlanta team. Backs against the wall, have plenty of offense. Don't get too ahead of yourself here, guys. All right, so the last thing I did want to kind of discuss today, and, uh, you know, we don't often bash our competition, but there are certain times that you have to. And there is a, a certain time to kind of take the gloves off and just say, what the hell are you doing? So this week on uh, one of the programs, uh, I won't even mention the guy's name, okay? But everybody knows him. One of the programs, his bet of the week was a three-game, seven-point parlay that played 120. Okay. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. First of all, the hell are you giving away your best bet of the week, a three-game tease? Teasers are for suckers, first of all. Second of all, what are you doing? Number two, nobody gives out seven-point teaser, three games, plus one. It's just, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. And all of the lines were wrong anyway. So, I mentioned this to lead you down the path of be careful with new enterprises that are brand new into the business that are taking guys that are claiming to be sports betting experts and giving you ridiculous plays. Go out and go ask 100 professional sports bettors, 100 professional sports bettors, how many times they're going to bet a teaser. Go out there and ask 100 professional sports bettors how many times they're going to bet a three-game teaser at that. And then go ask how many would give away their best pick Ever their best pick of the week, month, anytime on a three-game, seven-team teaser. It, it, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's the same notion that these guys are going on the air, and what they're saying and what they're doing is treating the public like you guys are idiots. If you're listening to this show, you're clearly not. You're not an idiot. You know more than most, okay? They are treating the public like idiots. And in that respect, they're also pushing the line. Right, They're pushing the line to where we want it to go. Pay attention to these guys. Pay attention to what's going on in the media. Pay attention to what's going on in the space. Because what's going on in the space is people are getting dumber by listening to these guys. They're getting dumber by listening to talking heads who believe that they're good at what they do. They've never actually done it. They're not putting their real money down. That's why we're different. That's why you're listening. All right, guys, I'm Tom Bard for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.